You're listening to a podcast from Turners Hill Free Church. For more information and resources, visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk. So, repentance. It's um, it's quite a major emphasis in in Luke's gospel. If you uh, if you read through it, right from the start when um, John preaches uh, or, or, or preaches baptism, uh, baptism of repentance, goes all the way through to uh, when after the resurrection Jesus is with his followers again uh, and he, he calls uh, uh, for repentance, for salvation. So it's, it's all the way through. And um, I think though in this passage it's probably it's most urgent. It's uh, Jesus is, is really uh, paying, uh, getting us to pay attention to this call to repentance it's a wake-up call to his listeners, and he's um, he's saying, if you don't repent, you'll you'll perish. Uh, but if you do, then God will, will forgive you and uh, and save you. And that's there's uh, that's the promise that comes with this with this call, this urgent wake-up call. It's almost as if you could um, split this into two 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 parts, really, uh, and call it when bad things happen to good or unsuspecting people. And when good things happen to bad or unsuspecting fig trees, I'd say. Um, so let's uh, let's look at the the, the urgent call. Um, if we look at from verse five, this is one to five. This is where it uh, first comes. Uh, we have these two uh, instances that have uh, happened. They they're not they're only actually told in Luke. We don't have any other historical um, instances of, of what happened here, but. Um, it seems that uh, the first uh, there were some Galileans who may have tradition says may have uh, uprised against Rome might be an uprising and uh, obviously Pilate being Pilate wasn't going to have that and he um, he sent his troops into the, the the temple when they were worshiping and slaughtered them and, and mixed their blood with their sacrifices which is very shocking uh, and, and very brutal uh, and, and very final. They, they, the, the Jesus' listeners may have brought this up uh, because of the in the preceding chapter when uh, Jesus is saying, "Get your peace before God before the officer comes and takes you to uh, the prison and throws you in prison." When there's going to be no chance to make any deals with Christ at that time, so they may be saying, "Oh yeah, this this is what happened, Jesus. This is one of the examples of that." They may all have also. Uh, knowing Jesus' connection with uh, uh, the Galilean people and uh, being a prophet, they, they may have uh, been a malicious intent and they were saying, um, uh, look at these guys, they're, they're terrible. They, 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 uh, in Israel's mind at the time, the sin and, and justice were closely in, interweaved. Uh, so just think about in the book of Job, when, his, uh, when Job's friends were saying to him, you must have been something terrible to, to have all this stuff happen to you. This is... Their thinking, and they 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 may have um, thought that was what was happening here. Um, Jesus obviously replies. He he may have replied in kind, uh, using an example of Jewish people because of that um, to to uh, demonstrate that this is not just for some people, but for talking to all people. Um, so he uses the the example of the the tower in. Siloam, um, possibly a, a structure in the wall of Jerusalem which collapsed without warning, uh, killing 18 people. Again, a very final action. Um, 
So he um, he answers them in kind, if you like. Um, but uh, this really these these two instances they really bring home. Well, they resonate to us, don't they, in these days. They, we can think of uh, tragedies that happen all around us. Uh, we can think of uh, the recent uh, killings in Christchurch in New Zealand. There's uh, the Manchester bombings, all, all kind of things that we can, we can call to mind today of this sudden tragic uh, cutting down of lives and, and ending of lives. Um, we can think of our things in our, in our own minds as well, in our own lives, can't we? That we're, we're, we're calling out to God and saying, why? What, what's going on? What, what's happening, Lord? So, um, what, what kind of responses do we have? What kind of responses would the people had to the, would have had to this story that they heard, or these two stories? There were, there's shock, isn't there? Um, we, can, we can be shocked and numbs. Um, we can call out to God. We want to put words into his mouth and ask him to explain what's happening and to defend himself, to, to defend his actions and, uh, and what's going on in the world. We, uh, we, we really want to know why. It just doesn't make sense, doesn't it? And, and um, uh, we, we, just, uh, we just wonder. Um, but here we have it, folks. So we have actually God's res- response to us in these, in these two passengers, and uh, we need to listen to it. He uh, he doesn't uh, doesn't even attempt to defend himself. He doesn't uh, talk about the cause uh, of these tragedies and why uh, terrible things happen to, to people. He uh, he doesn't uh, let us think that um, because they haven't happened to us, it's a special blessing for us, and we uh, and we're okay. Uh, we shouldn't take things for granted. Is a real message that's coming through in these two in these two stories. It, it's a real wake up call, isn't it? It really shocks us. Um, we we want to um, we want some comfort, but we're saying and he's saying to us, "Don't be complacent. Wake up, repent." It, he's if you think back to uh, the book of Job uh, from chapter thirty-eight, when God's replying to Job and uh, uh, he's saying basically, as he's saying here, in a sense, "I'm I'm God. You're not. I know what I'm doing. You don't." Um, but that's not to say that um, in these instances, in these times, we shouldn't look for comfort and we shouldn't ask God questions. That's, that's not all he's saying at all. But he's, um, he is saying um, when bad things happen, when they do happen to, to good people, what we shouldn't be asking is why are they happening. We should be asking uh, is what we're going to do about it. What's our response? And to focus on the warning that Jesus gives us. Um, is how we should react. Uh, he's saying, uh, what about you? How, we, how are you going to live the life you get now? Uh, he's, um, he's saying, do you think they were worse sinners than you, these people that, that died, whoever they may have been? Um, his, his, his question is meant to show that without repentance, we're all going to perish in the same way. It's not that we might get hit by a wall or struck down or... Or something like, or even stop breathing. But um, if we don't repent and, and uh, take God's message seriously, it will mean um, that we don't get to live our lives in the fullness of Christ as we are born to do. Um, and that's a real stark warning, isn't it? It's uh, 
It's not what we expect, as I said. We expect to, to have some comfort when these terrible things happen. But he's, he's saying, come on, guys, look at yourselves, look to yourselves. If you look at also uh, further on from the, uh, the parable he talks about in the fig tree, uh, in verses 6 to 9, this is, again, it's enforcing this message of, um, of, of wake up and, and look to yourselves. Uh, it's speaking of um, uh, imminent judgment. If you think it resonates with uh, uh, John um, the Baptist in, um, in the third chapter, when he says, Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's, um, in a way, it's a call to Israel uh, for repentance, uh, the nation of Israel. The vineyard uh, and the vines are very common metaphors. They uh, would understand um, uh, and the, the fruit would be their relationship to God and godly living is being called for. Uh, and also, think about the time. It's very interesting here. Um, this is Jesus is coming to the end of his third year of public ministry. He, um, he he's time and again he's, he's, well, he sets his people apart and he's called for them to repent and he's uh, uh, been the great intercessor for them. And maybe this is the time where he's asked for one more year. He sent his apostles out amongst them, uh, and he's called again to repentance through his public ministry. Uh, and what do we see? We we see mo- well, most of the nation hasn't repented. Some have, but um, what are they doing? They're they're, they're still um, uh, worshiping false gods. Resistance to his vision of the kingdom is is growing. And then we see uh, forty years after this. Uh, what happens to them? Well, Jerusalem is um, destroyed, isn't it? They rise up again against uh, Rome, and um, judgment is brought. It's brought. So it, it is. Um, oh, it's a warning to the um, to the nation of Israel. But also, uh, this point again, it's an wake up call. A wake up call for us, the, the people who enjoy the gospel. Um, it's it's telling us that are our minds or that the temper of our minds and the character of our lives are they in line with the gospel message? Are we living uh, and displaying the gospel in, in our lives? That's that's the call. It's uh, it means we need to repent and live godly lives. Uh, think about the this fig tree and the advantages that it has. It's been put in the vineyard. It's not growing along the wayside along a wall. It's uh, someone's. Uh, putting time and effort and care into nurturing it and, and helping it to grow. Uh, there's a gardener who, who's there who's, who's calling out uh, for it uh, to be to give to be given more time. So it's, uh, it has all the opportunities it, it has uh, to grow. And um, God's saying He expects that from from His people. Think about. The vineyard and the fig tree. What is it? The, the, the vineyard is the church, and the fig trees us. And um, he's, he's asking us to search our lives and, and see if we're living godly lives. If we are living according to the to the gospel, he's not looking for for leaves. People, leaves aren't enough. He's not looking for say, Lord, Lord, crying out. He's he's not looking just for blossoms. He's not looking for a, a promising start and then falling away. He's looking for fruit. He's looking for evidence of the gospel in our lives and the um, the example it gives to other people uh, around us. He's, he's calling out for that. So he's, he's looking for fruit. 
It's also, this parable teaches us that um, God is very patient, but his, his patience is stretched to long sufferings, long suffering sometimes, and it can be wretchedly abused by us or by um, others who know the gospel, uh, which will provoke God to much greater severity. It's, uh, it is a stark message, I'm sorry about that, but this is what he's saying to us, and that we need to take it seriously. How many years uh, has he come to me or, or to us? And, and, he, and he's looking for fruit. He's not looking for a lot of fruit. He's looking for fruit. How, does he find it? We need to ask ourselves. Does he find a little bit of fruit or, or no fruit? It, it's something we need to, to take seriously. The, um, the other problem with this, this tree, it not only didn't bring forth fruit, but you realize it, it was in the vineyard taking up soil, good soil. And what else could have been there? Another tree. Another tree could have been growing in its place, couldn't it? it, um, it, it's, it it's encumbering the ground and taking nutrients, nutrients away. So, again, it's, another, it's pointing to the fact that um, people, especially people who know the gospel, we, we can cause harm, can't we, if we don't uh, take this living godly life seriously. And we, um, our bad, bad examples will negatively affect other people. Uh, People who don't know God and their hearts will be hardened. Um, people who do know God will be disheartened. So, uh, and it's worse, isn't it, if the tree is there for a long time and it's a big tree and its roots are uh, spreading and its branches are covering the ground and uh, making uh, a shadow around itself and uh, killing the nutrients in the other soil. So again, a harsh message, but it's something we need to we need to think about in our lives. Um, Jesus' his earlier words in, in response to the tragedies in the, in the parable warn against these are just standing there as a tree and taking things for granted and, and, and not producing fruit. Just because we haven't been cut down, don't assume we, we have produced fruit. So a cultivated fruit tree can stay there for a long time as long as it's um, given time to do that uh, and it's given a, a reprieve, which um, is what Jesus is pointing to here. If it doesn't, then there will be swift destruction. It will be cut down. So again, a call. Are we living godly lives? We need to uh, let our thoughts, our words, actions, they must mirror the the gospel and what um, Jesus is calling for, the love and the light that the gospel provides to those around us. This is what we should be showing. (coughs) Think about Galatians 5, 22 to 23. You know them all, the... The fruits of the Spirit should be evident in our lives, shouldn't they? So that's the bad thing, the, good, the bad things happening to the um, uh, supposedly good people. That's the warning. But what about the, the good things happening to the, the bad fig tree? What uh, Jesus is pulling out here, I think, is the, um, if the fragility of life demands this urgency, we have this uh, good news that um, there's an opportunity to seize hold of God's graciousness. And um, and this is seen in in this parable. Beautiful thing about the parable, I think, is it it isn't alone. If you think about it, who's looking after it? There's a gardener, isn't there? There's a gardener in the the vineyard, and he's saying, he's asking for a a reprieve for this tree. He's he's, uh, saying, one more year. And, And who is the gardener? Well, the gardener is Jesus. He's uh, he's the gardener. He characterises Jesus' um, uh, mercy, 
characterizes uh, his call for um, the judgment to be kept at bay uh, and his kindness and his, his patience, his mercy towards us. He shows that he's a great intercessor and he's, he's calling for the, our, these barren trees, which could be us, to, to not to be cut down, but for a reprieve for these, uh, these barren trees. And notice also that he's not just saying that, he, he seems to be saying, I'm going to do more when, if you give us this reprieve for these trees, I'm, I'm going to uh, do everything possible to, to make these trees flourish. So that is the good news in, in this parable. It, it really um, balances well, I think, against the, the message before, doesn't it? it it's the hope that, and the promise that uh, comes in these two stories we hear. I've, I've never grown a fig tree myself, actually. I don't know if you have. Um, I have cut one down, funnily enough. <laughs> you never guess the reason why. <laughs> um, so I, went, I thought, fig trees, I don't see many of them. They must be quite hard to grow. I haven't seen one growing around. So I googled it. I thought I was going to make a really good point here. And I, this is what it says about fig trees. It says, um, many people wonder how to grow fig trees. These fruit trees are amongst the easiest of the fruit trees that can be grown. They grow happily in both ground or containers, making them perfect for all kinds of gardeners. Well, praise God, he made a much better point than I thought I was going to make, actually. Because <laughs> um, he doesn't say, he doesn't say oh, look at Murray, he's looking a bit dead and twiggy, isn't he? I don't, don't know what I'm going to do about this. I might put a bit of baby bio on him and, and try and... Um, Try and get him to you know, produce some fruit. It's going to be difficult. The point is this. The point is Jesus, yes, does everything to help us grow. But it's not hard for him. It's, it's easy. We are easy fig trees to grow. That is the good news as well, isn't it? He's, um, he's done it all, hasn't he, when he shed his blood for us on the cross. Just think about what he did on the cross. The pain and suffering he, he, he uh, endured is nothing compared to the... Um, tragedies we, we see in these stories and it, um, the, the great news is we can hold on to that and look towards Jesus to, to grow us and to help us to bear fruit and um, let his deeper work of the cross um, continue to help us uh, to grow in our lives so we really see his concern with repentance and he's concerned with is buying us a reprieve uh, in 2 Peter it says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance so repentance it can be a tricky subject to, to talk about and I, I know I do and maybe you do sometimes zone out when you hear someone talking about repentance uh, we, we might think that we're okay, we might be taking things for granted, but um, he wants us to know that it's a, a universal condition. Everyone needs repentance, and um, the suddenness with which, which death comes uh, shows that um, we don't always have the luxury to choose when we go, do we? And um, So that's why he's concerned with, with saying repent and, and turn around. Repentance... Um, when people in John's time, I think certainly when they were baptized, actually turned around. Um, I, I, heard, I hear that it was a turning around from the old way of life, and that's what he's really concerned about, what, that we do, isn't he? 
So here's a question. Here's um, a question to ask ourselves today. If Jesus came back right now, what sin would he find in, in your lives? What sin would he find in, in my life? What still, sin is still there producing or preventing fruit to be produced? I'm not talking about what, what you don't know about. Um, as we grow in, in, uh, in uh, spirituality, as we grow as Christians, God reveals areas that we can deal with. Um, but I'm talking about now, if Jesus comes back now, what is there? What, what um, habits might there be that you haven't been able to kick yet? What attitudes that you haven't turned around from? What, what's really holding you back? Um, what are you really calling out? What do you need to call out for in, in prayer? What do you need to uh, ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to help you with and come alongside you? It's, um, it's, it's not a call to condemn you. It's a call to, uh, call to love. Um, a call to make us respond as David did, as he said uh, in, in Psalm 32. Soften my heart. I've sinned. Soften my heart, Lord. We want our hearts to be softened so they can be dug into and this change can happen. That's what Jesus is concerned about. So repentance, there could be many, many sermons we could uh, or we could spend here, I don't know, until the end of the day talking about repentance, can we? But uh, maybe a few thoughts about it um, for now. What, what, what it's not, I can definitely say, is, is just a, a sense of moral uprightness and expressions of um, uh, sorrow for transgressions. It's not a, a momentarily uh, emotional response and feeling sorry and uh, trying to do better. It's it's a lifelong uh, process, uh, and John Calvin put it well, I think, when he said, um, repentance is an inward matter which has its seat in the heart and soul, but afterwards yields its fruit in a change of life. So that's what we're looking for. It's a change of mind. It's seeing, as um, Jeff read in the uh, reading in Isaiah, that he aligning our thoughts to his thoughts. His, his mind, his thoughts are higher than ours, and it's to, it's to align our thoughts to, to his, to, to being persuaded to adopt that perspective, to adopt God's perspective. A different way of seeing things. It's a heartfelt sorry for sin, a deep heartfelt sorry for sin, of renouncing it, uh, turning away from it, uh, uh, and walking in obedience to Christ. To do that, obviously, we, we need to live by God's word uh, and, uh, and delve into the scriptures daily. The scripture doesn't say that we're going to be perfect before glor- we get glorified. It doesn't deny that some sin is harder than others to, 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 to overcome. But it says in James about the truly repentant, they do what they can to resist the devil, don't they? And that's what we need to do. Um, and he will flee from us. Also, repentance is about looking to others, coming alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ to bear each other's burdens, uh, to help them strengthen us when we are weak and to hold us accountable. We see this in Galatians uh, chapter 6. It talks about bearing one another's burdens. So as we see uh, through, through these stories that we've heard before that um, well, life's unpredictable, we are all born to die. But do we choose to live now? Uh, do we choose to live as Jesus makes clear, to 
not go through the motions to repent and to turn to him and to seek his will for our lives and discover a life in all its abundance. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we desire to do? Suggest it is what we should desire to do. Once we have done this, once we repent and turn from sin to to Christ, uh, God works in our lives. He continually works in our lives. And every time we sin, he he calls us to repentance again. And only when we do repent and, and start to live this way is when the Holy Spirit works in our lives and uh, helps us to see the deeper things that we need to repent as well. So I think um, let's look at what could God would say to us today, maybe a few areas or applications that we could look at. Firstly, heed Jesus' call uh, and become gardeners of our souls. Realise the urgency of this call. Um, Deal with it today. As I said before, if Jesus comes back today, what would he find? So reprieves can be uh, bought by the prayers of other people for us as Jesus intercedes for the tree, but not pardons. That's where we and our faith and our repentance needs to act. Uh, unless that happens, there won't, won't be a pardon. So don't read this parable uh, as a threat. There's only one year left. Get things right, all right, that's it. Read it as an invitation to work your soil of your heart, uh, to dig, turn away from things that are holding you back, um, to fertilize your heart. I know uh, it can be hard. Manure smells not nice, doesn't it? It's uh, not very nice to deal with. But if we look at discipline and, and what it says in Hebrews 12, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So although it will seem difficult at the beginning, it will bring repentance and salvation further down the line. So look at our lives, look at your lives and, and, and think about these questions. And am I, How am I doing in love for others? Am I a bit stingy in that? Um, am I thinking that I can't be forgiven? Is there a burden I've been holding for years that I won't let go of? Uh, have I become so interested in creating a life that I've forgotten to live, forgotten to live for, for Jesus? Like the um, parable of the fig tree, let these move us towards repentance and trust the one who, who asks for a reprieve and who will dig the life, uh, the, the soil around us. So second application, listen to your conscience. As we said before, um, God works in our lives through the Holy Spirit. He uh, helps us to repent uh, it's only as he works in our lives we see the, the need to repent. So ask the Holy Spirit, pray for the Holy Spirit to, to quicken your, your spirit and your conscience. Conscience is our discerning organ. It's the discerning organ of our spirit. It acts above the knowledge we have in our minds of right and wrong. Uh, you know, right, we're, we're body, soul and, and spirit. Uh, body is the outward world. Soul is our will and our, our emotions, but well, we don't need to deal with it, with our emotions, but we need to look to our spirits 
where we commune with God, and that's where um, God speaks to us, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and quickens our our consciences to let us know where where we need to pray or where we need to um, come to Jesus. The the conscience testifies as to whether we're clear before God and before men, and, and if we're following God's word and 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 the will of Christ. So simply listen to that still small voice within and and heed it. First action, third application is a short one. Pray for barren trees. As Jesus says, um, I will do all I can for this tree if you give it a reprieve, if you don't cut it down. We too should pray for the people that we know in our lives who who are far away from Christ and uh, and need that reprieve and need that extra year to, to get right with him. So stand in the gap and, and turn that uh, destruction away and, and, and intercede for them with Christ as he would intercede for us. And it's important as well to, as we speak to others, speak to ourselves, in fact, to, to, to use biblical language, to call sin, sin, for what it is. Don't say it's a slip up or a mistake or or anything of that sort we need to be we need to get to we need to use biblical language and we need to use biblical language when we talk about the remedy for sin and um that the only hope for sinners is, is is Christ and to come to him in in um repentance and faith and the uh, lastly the application confession I'll touch on bearing other, each other's burdens just um, just earlier, and this can be one of the more neglected tools, I think, in um, in our uh, holiness and um, walking in, in uh, the way of the gospel. It, it's difficult, isn't it, to, to confess uh, our sins to others? But you will find that as you do that, you find you're not alone. Your brothers and sisters will will come alongside you and uh, help to bear your burdens. See, folks, without being involved in, I think, each other's lives like this, where we don't, we miss the opportunities to, to call each other to repentance. Um, we need to take the initiative in each other's lives and, um, and use this tool. So the application is, could you be bold and confess? Uh, maybe in home group or... Uh, in your prayer groups or with someone you know well is there something that you're struggling with don't hold it on your own don't just think you can you can get by um, ask for people to help it, I say be bold because it can be hard can't it we don't, we don't like to do it and it will, call, it will involve causing godly sorrow or godly regret as we see in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, I'll just read um, verses um, 8 to 10 in chapter 7. This is Paul speaking. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. For you became sorrowful, as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation and leads leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So be prepared to cause 
godly regret has pulled it. It wasn't easy for him either. We can take heart that it wasn't easy for him. He was concerned about how these, how the Corinthians were going to treat his letter. They may have not taken it well. They may have criticised him. We think these things too, don't we? But be bold like Paul and and, um, and do it. We should follow his example and, and do it anyway. And because it's people's salvations that are at stake, isn't it? The other part of that is be willing to accept godly regret. Look at the Corinthians. They got this stern letter which was rebuking them. Uh, and what did they do? And what, what would we do? Did they... Did they get angry? Did they bristle? Did they start pointing at Paul and say, well, look at you, you're not so good yourself, are you? No, they they saw the point of the message and they were they were moved to godly grief. So be prepared on, on these two points to to cause godly sorrow, but also to to look or to accept for um, godly grief. And um, the good end of godly regret is salvation, isn't it? So I encourage you to to start using that and be be bold in your confessions so just to finish I'd ask you do you believe Jesus do you believe what he says about repenting Uh, if you repent or if you don't repent you'll perish do you you believe that do you believe that it's a an urgent call, and it's a call of love to you. Do you believe that he's much more interested in your salvation than answering questions that we can't possibly understand this side of heaven? So if you do, you need to repent daily, uh, seriously, and pray for others who don't know Christ. And if you don't know Christ, don't take your life for granted. It can be cut down just like that. Unless um, you repent now and turn to Christ, you'll spend an eternity repenting. So so why do bad things happen? Well, we live in a sinful world, a perishing world, but there's a God who saves the perishing into the despair that we see in our lives around us. The gardener, Jesus, comes. He says, don't cut the tree down. You see, there's no... There's no joy in the tree being cutting down, cut down. Uh, a barren tree having a reprieve is much more um, of a joy to him. So he says, let it alone for one more year. He wants it to live. His passion is marked for us by this great cry of urgency.